Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. to the 408th episode of the Stone Cold Silver Podcast. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. Um, what did you get up to for Mother's Day? Yeah, so we, um, so Lena's traveling um, this week. She's going to go visit her mom. So Gordon and I are going to be holding down the fort, just the two of us. Um, and so for Mother's Day, we actually tried to celebrate a little bit early because we were worried about just traffic and Gordon's sleep schedule and everything, especially since the jet like or especially with it, the jet lag, he's been waking up really, really early. He's been doing a great job of like keeping himself entertained or preoccupied in the mornings. But we were worried that with, you know, just reservations and everything like that, it was just going to be a bit tough to do anything tonight. So what we ended up doing was um, I uh, found this this uh, Persian restaurant. Um, it was actually a restaurant in um, in Chicago. They opened up a second location and um, it's not far from Highland Park. It's like a town over from a Highland Park. I think it's called uh, Highwood. Okay. You might remember Highland Park from last year. There was actually a shooting at, at um, a parade yeah. that was happening there, right? So, um, yeah, we were just up the road from that uh, that town. And, um, yeah, we got this. We got a, a few different things. There's specifically, we're looking for one one dish. There's this dish my mom used to make called gourmet sebzi. And um, Lena loves it. Like every time my mom made it, anytime my mom was like, hey, you know, what do you guys want me to make for dinner? Like if we were coming over for dinner or something, that was it. So, and my mom knew it. So um, we uh, we went for that. It wasn't quite the same. Lena's been searching for a gourmet sebzi that's like my mom's. And uh, we, uh, we haven't been able to find it quite yet. Actually, um, Lena loves it so much that... It was in her plan that my mom would make that for her after she gave birth to Gordon. That was going to be like her first meal post-birth. Um, oh, wow. That, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we went out to that restaurant. And then afterwards, we took uh, Gordon to this park nearby. And, and he and I just kind of like ran around there for a little bit. And he had a good time. But it was a little bit cold. It was like, I don't know, 55 degrees. So I was out there. I didn't have like a hat on or anything. So I started to get a bit cold. So I had to shut it down a little earlier than Gordon wanted, which he wasn't thrilled about. Um, and then, uh, today we, we went out to breakfast. So, uh, I, I know I've, I had recommended that restaurant first watch to you and Carolyn some time ago there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so they have, they have a few locations, uh, across the U S or maybe more across like the Midwest and the East coast. I'm not sure if they have a West coast presence, but we, uh, we went there for breakfast this morning. We like Gordon woke up early and we thought we were going to get there or beat the rush. <laughs> we got there like a little bit before eight and it was packed. There was like a half oh hour gosh, wait that eight? we had. Yeah, yeah, at eight, dude. And it was packed. Gordon Gordon woke up early, and I don't know what time he woke up, but he was very tired by the time we got there. Um, and so it wasn't the greatest experience, but at the same time, you know, it was cool. Um, afterwards, we just hung out at the house. I, I ended up picking up sushi for dinner. But before I picked up sushi, I um, I was able to watch the, uh, the Sixers-Celtics game, game seven. And man, yeah. I was excited. I was excited for Game Seven, and damn, my boys let me down real bad. <laughs> I've been. Uh, yeah, I, I was. I, I've told you about this. Uh, I've told. I've talked to other people about this too. Like I, my emotional state 
is very closely tied to how this team performs. And this isn't just like in the playoffs, right? They're in a basketball season. There are 82 games in a year. And I watch just about every single game, as you know. I've seen nearly every minute of Sixers basketball this year, bar like except except for a couple of critical games when uh, when we were in England uh, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and even the more then, important ones you don't watch. Yeah, well, I was still watching them. Like I was <laughs> when we were in England, I still watched Game Four against the Nets. Um, we were able to sweep the Nets, so I was able to see that entire series, which was great. And then we had a little bit of time off. I think we had like almost we had about a week off between. Uh, our last game against the Nets in the first round, and the start of the Brooklyn, uh, start in the start of the Boston series, and um, even then, like I, I woke up at like four in the morning, and I was able to catch the, the the fourth quarter of that game one when when the Sixers won without Embiid, and then um, in that you know that later that morning, I uh, I and in fact, I bought a subscription to NordVPN so that I can access my Sling TV account so I can actually watch the games because otherwise I had no ability to like. Or it wasn't going to be easier, at least, for me to find like a DVR or a recording of the game. So I was watching. I was still watching. And um, I didn't watch the entirety of, of, of uh, Game 2 because it was just such a bad loss. I, I watched most of it. Uh, but then I still watched I watched all of Game 3, which uh, the Sixers lost by, I think it was 8 by the end of the game. Maybe it was 12. I can't remember. It was like 8 or tw- some, somewhere between 8 and 12 points that they lost by. Uh, I watched Game 4, which they won. I watched Game 5. And that uh, Game f- no, sorry. So game four was when we returned, right? And and we were texting about it in the airport. I did end up watching the entire game after I got home. And then game five, I was present for. Game six was our closest chance. We had the lead five minutes into the uh, left in the game. We couldn't score a fucking bucket. And Jason Tatum decided that he no longer wanted to be like 0 for 18. And he hit like four threes in a row. But today, because of how we had performed leading up to this point, I thought we had a good chance coming into this game. And this was our worst showing by far, and it was it was embarrassing. It's so the, the losses, and it's like when you comment in the uh, the game thread or, or like the NBA subreddit, right? You can have a flare next to your name that says the team that you're supporting, and I have a 76ers flare, and like, dude, it's it's like embarrassing to have a 76ers flare next to your name because most of the time people just downvote whatever you say anyway um, because you're a Sixers fan, but like to say, hey. I support this team that's been breaking my heart for like six years straight. Is uh, has been a bit has it just sucks. It just sucks. Um, and again, like I will I will feel crummy after a loss and like when when it's like game thirty two, right? Like this regular season at the end of the day doesn't really mean anything so long as you make it to the playoffs. Obviously, it affects seedings and everything like that. But like otherwise, those games don't really mean too much and. There are plenty of times we, where coaches are willing to lose games because they want to experiment and try different things. And even then, like being aware of that, it's still frustrating to see us lose games that we could or we should win because it has an effect on our seeding. And um, unfortunately, tonight, it, you know, ignoring all the seedings and everything like that, it just came down to a game seven. We'd seen, we'd seen the Sixers show up and... They had, for the first time all series, had two days in between games. Um, and it didn't seem like they did anything to, uh, or it did, I don't want to say they didn't do anything, but it just ultimately seemed like they were not able to figure out a way to deal with what Boston showed them in game six that affected their, their ability to score an offense so significantly. So, like, I should I should have pulled up the box score, but the, the big adjustment that um, Joe Missoula made um, going to game six was starting Robert Williams, who was 
like a leading contender for for defensive player of the year last year. He was getting blocks left and right, almost like what Jared Jackson Jr. looked like a lot this year. And yeah. he had he largely just wasn't playing in the in the uh, in the Philly series, which was kind of surprising. Um, today he played thirty minutes, and he started the game. Like that was that was the big thing. And like before that, it was basically just one on one Embiid versus Horford. And there were times where Horford got the best of Embiid, but for the most part, most games when Horford was against Embiid, Embiid was scoring, and so he was averaging like I don't know close to thirty points for the series despite having a slow start uh, coming back from his injury in game two. And in uh, game three, he had, or sorry, game three, game six, he had 26 points. And uh, and tonight he had an abysmal 15 points. He had four turnovers, only had eight rebounds. Harden had five turnovers. Harden was three for 11 and Bede was five for 18. Just, just terrible. <laughs> it was just simply terrible. And like the crazy thing was they were in the game at halftime they were down three they were down 55 to 52 and uh oh yeah they were <laughs> yeah you look at the score like okay 55 52 we've been in the situation plenty of times before we've been down but like you know we've been down double digits even in the second uh in the uh to start the third quarter and we've come at to win games in the season but the team just they they talked about it last year right like last year when we lost in the playoffs to the heat in the second round, same round, that's the, the other devastating part about this. We haven't made it past the second round since Allen Iverson was a part of the team, let alone in the Joel Sixers era. Yeah, wild. Haven't made it out of the second round. Like The, the last time we made a conference, uh, a conference finals was in 2001 when Allen Iverson was with the team and took them to the, to the, to the finals where they lost 4-1 to the Lakers. They only, they only stole game one against the Lakers. And... Um, and to see them come out with just like they were down three points like we got like we have a chance we got this we got this and then they didn't have it sandy <laughs> they did not they it was 55 52 55 52 fast forward like six minutes of game time and it was like 73 to 55 we scored three points in the time that boston scored like 22 it was unreal by the end of the quarter we'd scored 10 points to boston's i think like 33 we end up losing, yeah. lost the game by 24 points. The final score was close. Like if the final score would tell you that it's closer than it was. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that third awful. that third quarter, to, I'm looking at 10 to 33. The fourth quarter, which was you know effectively just all garbage time, we won 26 to 24. You know, had you made a, a, a decently competitive third quarter, you could have been in it in the fourth. But and we talked about this after Game Six with the way Embiid looked in the final six minutes. Um, this has been a recurring thing for him. And like at this point, there's no one else that you could blame. Last year, like so two years ago, you had the whole uh, Ben Simmons just completely disappearing in the second round against the Hawks when we were the number one seed and the Hawks were a team that we 100% should have beaten. Uh, last year was Harden's first year with the team. They only had like 20 games to, to build uh, some chemistry between uh, Harden and the rest of the team. So I forgave that, you know, like I, I didn't have expectations for that team coming into the season, given that Simmons wasn't going to be playing. The fact that we had made it to the second round felt like we overachieved for the season. But this season, we looked good, like despite the slow start, right? Like we were like two and 10 at the beginning of the year, something crazy like that. I still remember when we were in, in, in Vegas and we were walking from oh, Top yeah. Golf. We were walking from like Top Golf to I don't remember where we were going, to be honest, after that. 
and I was watching the top, uh, the Sixers. It was the second game of the season. We had already lost the Celtics in game one. The second game of the season, we're playing the Spurs, who had, I don't know if they had the worst season, the, the worst record in the NBA this season, but they had among the worst records in the NBA this season. They were actively tanking. We lost to them in the second game of the season, and it didn't really get any better from, from there until like 15 games later when things started to like, role and we were i think we think we had the best record in the nba after that like two and ten start or whatever it was um i don't know dude it's it's just like it's draining to it's draining to make it through that much basketball that many games damn near 100 games of the nba or of, of the season to come up short like that it's like it'd be one thing if we lost by one right it would suck a lot but to just not even show up, to lose by 24 points and not show up in that second half, the way Embiid and Harden looked, we could all see it. We could all see them. Like, why is Embiid, like, he'll he'll get the ball in, a, uh, in the post. He'll start dribbling. He sees the double team. It's something he's gotten much better at in, over the course of his career. This is what the Celtics have always been great at. They send a double. They have really long defenders who have great hands, and they're able to disrupt Embiid and, and steal from him. And that was a problem five years ago when we got knocked out to them in the sec in the second round. Uh, although that I think was in like six games. That was the, the infamous confetti game where we dropped the confetti when the game was going into overtime, and then we ended up losing that game. Um, that was a problem that he had back then, and it was a problem that he's continued to have, but he's gotten better at it. But today he he just like started to fall back into those same old habits. In the uh, the Sixers game thread, I posted a comment or like in the first quarter, there was a like you could see that Embiid was getting vis like visibly upset and frustrated that he wasn't getting the ball, and so there was a time where when like the Celtics scored, the Sixers at this point are actually up because PJ Tucker had 11 points, all of which came in the first quarter. The Sixers are up at this point, and Embiid takes the ball and he like demands the ball from the on the inbounds like so so he takes it from maxi and he just like takes the ball the full length of the court and scores and then because he scored so quickly though the sixers never had a chance to get back on defense and like tatum comes back and scores a, a quick layup but like there were moments like that where you could see Embiid is getting really frustrated and he's trying to demand the ball and while he was making plays in the first quarter he still was missing some of like those simple jump shots from like the free throw line distance across the across the uh the, the uh, across the um i don't want the, the right word to say like just from free throw length right he was he was missing those types of shots and despite that he was still playing pretty well i think he had like 10 points or whatever it was in the first quarter maybe it was like eight and uh again the sixers were up after the first quarter they were up 29 to 23 after the first quarter we got up as much as nine in the second before boston came back and they end up outscoring us by nine, which led led to their three point uh, lead in the second quarter. But I commented in the game thread, like, uh, let me see if I can find it. It says, um, "Embiid looks like he's getting a little bit frustrated by his lack of touches, and I'm hoping he doesn't try to force too much." Because when Embiid gets like that, when he gets frustrated about his like by his lack of touches, he just seems to not want to trust his teammates anymore. Um, and you can even see it in the in the um, 
the the Nets series, the Brooklyn series, where they were double teaming him every single time he touched the ball, and he never even really had a chance to dribble most of the time during that series, which resulted in him scoring like twenty points a game, and he was often just getting a lot a lot of like hockey assists as they were calling them because his pass would lead to another pass that would lead to a, a bucket, but he doesn't get any type of credit for that, and so if he was doing that same type of thing here, it would be great, but what he was ultimately doing was waiting for the double team to come. And then it looked like he would panic a little bit, and he was like, oh, shoot, I should have shot a second earlier. And then he would just still try to take a shot or try to take another dribble, which would lead to, to a turnover. I'm actually a little bit confused as to how he only had four turnovers because I could swear he had, like, eight <laughs> today. Like, he looked like he had a lot of turnovers. Same with Harden. Like, he, he would drive into the paint. He would get a little bit of clearance, and then he would hesitate maybe do a pump fake, and then the person wouldn't bite, but he had enough clearance that he could have gotten the shot off, and then he, like, was stuck, and he would, like, fall over, turn the ball over. The amount of times that these guys were on the floor would just lead to a 5v4 offensive set for the Celtics, but the Celtics on, like, the Sixers would, would not let us set up on defense, and they would use that advantage and score. Like, fucking Tatum had 51 points, dude. Tatum started the last, like, three games 0 for 8 at least. And dude comes out today, goes 17 for 28. I'm just so frustrated. I'm so frustrated by this team. And I've said it like I I don't think I have it in me to follow this team as closely as I have um, next year or in the future because it's so draining. But like I feel like I'm probably just lying to myself. I'm sure I said You're lying to yourself. Last You'll two, be three, back. Four years. I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna be laying on the uh, I'm gonna be laying on the floor in Gordon's room reading him a bedtime story with the Sixers game up and an earbud in my ear trying to read, read him a story while watching the Sixers play the fucking like Charlotte Hornets or something like that. Like like a team a team that in all likelihood they will beat by 20 points. I'm still sitting there watching it because I want to see how they do and I'm that invested in their performance. So like it was a great that it, I wish I could say it was a great series because if, if game seven was at least closer and we showed up and still lost four or three we could at least say Hey, the Sixers still took the Celtics seven games and and made it that close. A team that everybody had, had was saying was going to dominate and easily win the series in five or six games, like that we took them seven and we almost won it. We had a chance to win it in Game Six and we lost that one down the stretch. It's a shame that we didn't like adjust or learn from what they did in Game Six because it, it like watching this game felt like we were watching the last six minutes of the fourth quarter of game six right almost the entire way through except yeah. for people were actually hitting some of those shots and that led to us having a lead in the first quarter and and for part of the second quarter before boston just destroyed us just absolutely destroyed us i'll say this Sucks. i'll say this it's moments like this that it's so frustrating to be the fan of a team that you know can do better than what should they show on the court yeah but I think you're lying to yourself when you're like, you can't follow it any closer because I think it's just the type of fan you are. And I think something would have to really happen for you to stop watching. I don't think a loss like this stops you from watching. You know, I, I texted you about it and I go, you know, you're lying to yourself because, you know, yeah, on my wedding day, <laughs> right? Yeah. I remember Charges a score of 20. Yeah. Yeah. Up 27 zero. Mm hmm. Uh, and it is what it is. And so it's it's just one of those things where it'll happen, 
it sucks that it does happen, but yeah. it uh, you come what's... back next year. Yeah, it's it's uh, I was telling this to Lena. Like one of the things that's really frustrating. It's not just like the own internal frustration that you have with the team, right? It's you watch this team, you tell yourself to believe, and you and you truly start to believe. Like you said, you know they have the potential to do it, and then they fall short, and they fall short, and it just like it's just more ammo to the people who doubt. And and I know like why do you care about what other people think? But like that that is sports. You talk shit to other people. You talk shit to other fans of other teams, and to see them, to see them, to see Embiid specifically look the way that he's looked in the past when things get tough for him he just like his shoulders slump he starts moving slowly like where was that defensive energy that he had in game six he had two games of rest between game six and seven we thought that was going to help him we thought Harden was going to be able to start hitting some more shots maybe run that do that like that runner that he does that he was hitting when he was scoring 45 and 42 points in games one and game fours respectively like you start you expect some of those shots to drop you expect Embiid to be moving laterally and contesting shots and blocking people. And he was getting some blocks and he was doing okay early on. But, like, the whole time they, the team just looked scared, man. Like, they really just looked scared. They've looked scared ever since I've seen them, ever since I saw them play. When, um, shit, ever since Jimmy Butler left, that's when they started to look like they didn't have that confidence. When Jimmy Butler was here, there were times where, like, you would just give him the ball. Like, all right, Jimmy, you do it because we don't know what to do. And... Ever since he left, we've never had a, a, a proper replacement. Despite Embiid's greatness, he's in, like he can do fantastic things, but when it, the the pressure is on him, he just has not been able to rise to the occasion. And that's the thing that sucks, especially is that if he can get past this round, he can I think break that mental block that there must be that like causes him to do this. I don't know, dude. Like, he looked great in game six for three and a half quarters and then just didn't. It's not enough. Anymore. You know it's, it's not, not enough. enough. When, you have to, when you have to qualify it like that, you know mm-hmm. it's not enough. Yeah. And I think that there's something that about, I think the biggest issue, you, I think you, you made it very clear, was after Jimmy Butler, there's no killer on that team. You know it's not Harden. You know it's not Embiid. No. It's just not no. who they are. Yeah, so it's like, okay, well, what, what do you do now at this point, right? So you could, so Harden is a free agent, right? Tobias Harris is actually the highest paid sixer on the team this year, at least. Embiid's uh, ex, extension, like he's getting a massive pay raise between this year and next year. So I think Embiid now becomes the highest paid player on the Sixers. But Tobias Harris is in the last year of his contract, which is actually pretty valuable in terms of NBA contracts because he's that expiring contract, a team who basically wants to clear their record, their their um, their their paybooks for the following year would actually find a lot of value in having him because he's basically like thirty some million dollars who's going to be available to them the following year, or I say he's he his contract turns into thirty million dollars of available space to sign a uh, you know maybe a superstar or several key role players for a team's future success so like you could trade a player like tobias harris but the question is how much value can you actually get back from him and who are the suitors for a player's uh, contract like that because tobias harris had a max contract who do you, like who who is 
another max contract player who would get better value than Tobias Harris, who fits with a, a Joel Embiid and like assuming James Harden signs back with the team with the James Harden, but Will has he, though, that killer. Is he going to Houston? That will so like there are all these reports about him wanting to go back to Houston. This has been happening ever since like shoot Christmas Day. It happened Christmas Day. We were playing. What were we playing Christmas Day? Was was it the 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 Bucks maybe? I'm trying to see if I can find that Sixers. It was oh no, it was the Knicks. It was the Knicks. We won that one nineteen to one twelve. And um, there were there were the stories that. Like literally that morning. Oh, it it looks like um, it looks like James Harden wants to go back to to the um, to the to the Rockets, or it's possible that he might want to do it. Um, and like those stories have kind of popped up every now and again. So I don't know if this is if this is like hard because Harden doesn't even have an agent. So or maybe he hired one at that time. I don't know. I I think he only ever hires an agent when he when he's like getting traded or he's like in contract negotiations or something like that. So I don't really know. Like, is this just Harden saying, hey, pay me the max or I'm out because he took a pay cut this year so that we could sign PJ Tucker. Um, so it's possible that Harden leaves, but if he leaves, he can't get as big of a payday as he can with the Sixers. So we could sign and trade him, but then it's like, well, why would Houston want to do that if they could just sign him you know, theoretically at least sign him for, for not for free, but without having to give up any assets to get him. Now, Harden might not want that, right? He could say, well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sign with you effectively um, if that happens, and I would go somewhere completely different or stay with Philly. But, like, I don't know, dude. I, I just don't know why Houston would want him. Houston's a team that has, has um, they, I don't want, yeah, they, they tanked, they, they traded hard and they trade away all their, their, their key players after 2000, uh, the 2020 season. And, um, they've been able to build up a roster of, of decent, um, you know, uh, high potential players. They also have a fair amount of, um, draft picks from Brooklyn when they traded, when they traded, uh, for, for Harden. But I don't really know why Houston would want to sign, uh, what is he like 34, 35 year old, 35 years old. And he's obviously declining in his abilities. And I'm not sure that he really like fits what Houston's trying to do. But regardless of that, then it's like, well, so what can you get to fill in around Joel Embiid? Like people are in their like in their feelings right now. So if you look at the Sixers subreddit, there are plenty of people who are saying to trade Embiid, to blow it all up, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that really makes sense because we've traded so much away. All of our assets that we that we had acquired during the process period, all those are gone. Um, what I would say through mismanagement because um, we had to trade. We had to not trade. We had to fire Sam Hinkie, who was the architect of the of the, uh, the process when we when the Sixes were intentionally taking, and uh, brought in Brian Colangelo, who I know I'm just like just going off this, <laughs> but he uh, they. So he was the one who signed. Uh, um, he traded for um, uh, Jimmy Butler, and we only got like part of a year of Jimmy Butler. We didn't get a full year. We got like one year of Jimmy Butler. We got Tobias Harris. We traded for him as well. Uh, we also traded for uh, what is it? Uh, Richardson. I'm blanking on his first name right now. Um, from the from the Miami Heat, who was a complete dud. We traded 
<laughs> we we swapped places with the Celtics so that we could get the number one pick and drafted Markel Fultz. Like we traded so many assets that we had that we had acquired over that process. That was the period. the year that Tatum was in the draft, right? Yes. Yeah. So Tatum went third in the draft. But from what I've heard from Bill Simmons and others is that the Celtics had no intentions of ever drafting Fultz. And had they kept their number one pick, they still would have taken Tatum. The Lakers were 100% committed to Lonzo Ball. That was very clear who had the number two pick. The Sixers had the number three pick. And it wasn't their own pick. The Sixers pick came for the Nets, I believe, or another team. I can't remember. And, um, and we really wanted Fultz. And somehow the Celtics were able to to um to bluff the Sixers into thinking that they were going to take Fultz at number 1 and so the Sixers traded I don't know whatever assets to the Celtics I don't remember what they traded for or to to the Celtics to get that position and they end up drafting Markel Fultz and um at least for those who are aware of basketball know how that went and so we've traded yeah, so much forgot, to play ba- forgot how to play basketball yeah. Yeah, he forgot to shoot how to forgot to shoot how to forgot how to shoot a basketball. Um, yeah, so we don't have much that we can actually trade or give up. Um, and if you're Do you trading, find it ironic players, or poetic that Tatum, someone you could have drafted, is the one that ended you? I don't think there or was any really. way we could. I don't. Um, I don't know. Not really. The Celtics are just a fucking great team. Like, yeah, Tatum won the game today, but he wasn't that great in a lot of their games. And it was like players like Brown or Horford in some of the earlier games or Marcus Smart in the last game scoring like 20-some points who beat us. Like, they're just a super deep team. Um, yeah, it sucks that Tatum's the one who did it, but, like, I don't know. I don't I don't find it, like, that poetic, really. I see I, uh, right now the way it works. I see the... Celtics in six or the Heat in seven. Mm. And I see Jokic winning in six. Against the Lakers or against just the winner? You think the the Nuggets are just going to. I think, yeah, I I do not see a world where the Lakers win this. Gotcha. Um, I don't believe that they are, they have the legs for a series like this. Uh, I think that yeah, Jokic is. The Lakers. Yeah, I think Jokic is just as smart, if not smarter, than LeBron. Um, I don't think he's smarter than LeBron. I think he's as smart as LeBron. Let's put it that way. I think they're both like basically maxed out on like uh, basketball knowledge. Yeah, and, but LeBron's uh, like in a different place in his career. So like the right. the basketball IQ can only get him so far. Whereas he used right. to be able to rely on like both shooting and just like physical dominance over other players, he only has flashes of that nowadays. Jokic, Jokic's game is just ridiculous because it doesn't require him to like power through people. He's not like Shaq in that in that regard, but he's such a dangerous passer that you have to play him in such a way like you don't want him to pass. But there are times where you think, oh, that. There's no possible way that he can make a pass from this position. I'm just going to play him straight up. He'll like pass the ball like fucking with his right hand behind his left head, like the, the, the left side of his head. Like I'll just whip his hand around his head and pass to somebody through like some tight ass windows. Like how did he see that? And and it will lead to just an easy bucket for the person who receives it. I'm always I'm 
I'm always in awe at the way, not just the passes that he makes and the fact that he sees these people, but the fact that his players are seemingly always ready for a pass from him through unreal windows. Like at times when I watch the Sixers, I'm just sitting there watching like, yo, this person's in trouble. They're getting triple teamed. How has no one run closer to this person so that they can make the pass out of the triple team and get a wide open three or a wide open shot? Um, they just like seem to be standing there watching, not ready for anything. Whereas Jokic's teammates just seem constantly like they're moving or ready to catch a ball through impossible windows. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. But despite that, like I feel like it's tough to discount the Lakers or specifically LeBron and AD. Um, because people have just been counting them out all season. It, they, they were literally the joke of the of this of the uh, the NBA. It's constantly annoying how much every sports network wants to talk about the Lakers throughout the season when they're like the thirteenth seed. Like, why are we talking about the Lakers? They have a they're they're a below five hundred team. Their star players are constantly injured, and they don't seem like they're going to do anything. And somehow they narrowly squeak, like just squeak into the playoffs, and they're doing what they're doing now, and uh, and in the conference finals, which is exceptionally frustrating as a Sixers fan because we've done so well for so long now, over the course of the season, and then we just fucking do this shit again. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing Jokic match up against AD and just basically toy with him. I really. I personally find now I understand what because you know you you've talked to me about this before that Jokic uh, was it called that MB deserved the MVP because the MVP is a regular season award. Yeah. Now I know that it also says a kind of thing when you can't get out of the second round, whatever. But I can't wait to see Jokic basically destroy AD. I know that AD is probably playing the best defense he's ever played in his life right now. So that's what makes it extra exciting that everyone's yeah. firing on all cylinders. Um, right. And so that's going to make the series so exciting. For, for a fan like me who just is is uh, not tied to any team, right? right. Uh, to just watch them go to work. That's what I, I wanted Embiid and Jokic to go at. I think, you know, you'd have the MVP yeah, talk. Finals. It would have been great finals yeah. just to have them go against each other. Uh, watch two big men go at it in the in the finals. Um, I am hoping that either Jokic wins it or Jimmy Butler gets a ring. Yeah, frankly, um, I don't really have like any hatred towards Boston. I am love to see oh, LeBron win another one. I, I know you do, um, but yeah. I would love to see yeah. LeBron win one. I would love to, so basically, if three out of the four teams win, I'm fine with it. Frankly, um, yeah. So I like yeah. a lot of the Celtics players. I just hate the Celtics. I I hate Boston sports organizations as a whole. This is this actually stems from my Colts fandom days when when the uh and this is like early, right? Like this isn't when the when it's obvious now in hindsight that the Patriots got the got the better of the Colts way more often than the Colts ever. Like this the the Patriots are basically what the Celtics are to the Sixers and what the Patriots were to the Colts. Just this constant team that they that they can never get around, and honestly never figure out a way to get around. Like I, I'm trying to think if I don't think we had to play them in the in the uh, the the year that Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl in 2007. But I cannot I can't say for sure if we had to go to the Patriots. I don't think we did. Um, so 
yeah, the thing about the thing about AD is he's he's probably the best defender in the playoffs. He was probably he was probably the best defender in the playoffs, and so it will definitely be interesting to see him play uh, to see Jokic go against AD because uh, AD is one taller, I think taller than just about anybody the Nuggets have played against in the playoffs, but also just like you know a, a, an A tier caliber defender. And so he could make things difficult for for Jokic when it comes to scoring, at least. Um, but his passing, like I said, is still unreal, and that's right. kind of where then you have like LeBron's basketball IQ, which could help recognize some some of those passes and take some assists away from Jokic as well as get force him into some turnovers that other teams or other players would never be able to recognize. Like we saw, we saw um, the way. LeBron James was able to call out in what was it game four against the Warriors that hammer screen that hammer play that the uh, the Warriors yeah. were trying to run when uh, Draymond Green basically just throws the ball right to AD because LeBron recognizes what's coming he forces AD to switch and and uh, and stay on clay and by the time Draymond has run to the basket and is literally running out of bounds he literally has nothing else to do with the ball other than throw it and hope that he can figure out a way that clay could still get the ball and it literally just falls right into ad's hand so yeah it will be really interesting to see that one but from from my perspective i would it's it i like jimmy butler it's funny that the sixers fans he's like he's like the one who got away for a lot of sixers fans and you hear the yeah. way that Embiid and butler talk about each other how much they wish they were still playing together i think that if butler still played with the sixers i think that we could have won a, a finals maybe even two or at least oh, one hundred percent. You have say they, sh- they could have won, but they they sh- could they should have made it to the finals. Since you then. should have, you would have had someone with a killer instinct. We've been talking about this for years that your team yeah. lacks a killer instinct, similar to how the Chargers yeah. lack a killer instinct. Yeah. So before we got before we got Jimmy Butler, um, my friend Dan and I we watch we 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 basically text each other every time the Sixers play, and the year before we got Jimmy Butler, there were many games um, where the Sixers would have a lead in the fourth quarter maybe they're up five or six points with like five or six minutes to play and they just forget how to play offense or they forget how to score and i don't really it's not even it's both it's both both a symptom of their offense wasn't good enough or they would they would just not be able to rise to the moment as well as their opponents playing much harder and tougher defense and when we got jimmy butler we started to realize those games that we would lose even though we had a lead we were just winning them all with Butler. In fact, there were games where we were down four points with like three minutes to play, and Jimmy Butler just finds a way to score like eight points in a row, and we win by four. And so, yeah, it would have been great to have him. Uh, but yeah, so even though he didn't even play for us for an entire season, Sixers fans still feel a level of, um, I don't know, fandom towards him as a player. And so I would love to see him do well, but at the same time, it's like it hurts to see him succeed when we've come continuously failed. Um, but overall, I would still love to see him win a fi- uh, to, to win the finals. I like Tatum a lot. Um, pretty much the only player on the Celtics I don't really like is is Al Horford because he sucked so much when he played for the Sixers, uh, as well as Marcus Smart. I can't stand Marcus Smart, but all the other players I love. So, and like given all the things that they've gone through this year, it would be cool to see them win, especially all the shit that that's been talked about uh, Joe Missoula. Um and then the Lakers, I wouldn't mind them winning. 
the the thing with Denver is outside of just the MVP conversation, it would be great to see Jokic win. The thing that sucks is just the amount, again, this is where it comes from, like the outside point of view. On Reddit, when you're sitting there on these game threads or these like random posts where people are shitting on Embiid or shitting on Jokic, the negativity between the Sixers and Nuggets fans, it's just unreal. Every time one of those players does poorly, especially in the final like months of the of the season, like literally months, um, anytime any of those players had a off game, there was a, a, a thread on Reddit like, oh, this player with five points and this many, you know, however many points and this many turnovers and blah, 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 and the loss, right? Like that's that's what the MVP race did. And so it would be just, again, more ammo that other fans could talk, couldn't use to talk shit against Embiid and the Sixers as a whole. So it would, like, I, I, I like Jokic. Um, it's it's like, I don't know. Overall, it just is what it is. I, I, I said I, I think I want to take a step back from basketball for a little bit. I don't know if I'll be watching the conference finals as much as I as I, I have been watching all the other games this, over the course of the uh, these playoffs. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'd say Lakers, Lakers Heat is is would be my preferred, but I just don't really care anymore. If it's not the Sixers, it doesn't matter. I hear you. It's like the same with me when the playoffs are around for the NFL, and if the Chargers are in it, I'm 100% in it. Things don't change. But yeah. if uh, you know, if they're out, then it's just not the same. And I'll maybe watch the Super Bowl if there's a party that I'm going to. I'll, I'll like pseudo root for the Eagles. Like I rooted for the Eagles last year, just because there was no way in hell I was going to root for the other team, you know. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is. So it's a, it's the greatest thing about sports, you know. That it's what makes the wins that much more epic, because you'll you'll remember all these moments where it's like, yeah, we blew that game, but now it just makes the wins because you don't come so easily to franchises like ours it uh it makes them much sweeter i mean even with like these dynasty teams like the the warriors and whatnot i mean they were so bad for so long basically for the majority right. of our lives they were a god awful and so it is what it is like all right you know totally it is you'll be back next year yeah yeah and then uh, that's the the thing that's hard about it though is it hurts more because of how much you care throughout the entire season if you didn't care nearly as much if you didn't follow as closely throughout the entire season and invest so much of yourself into it then them losing in the semifinals like oh man that sucks right or not even the semifinals they're really the quarterfinals losing the quarterfinals you're like damn this really sucks a lot but you know whatever on to the next year yeah but now but like now like you spent again so much time with the team and you care so much about every single one of their games that when they lose this in this fashion at the end of the season and it doesn't really matter how they lose at the end of the day right a loss is a loss but when they lose and they don't show up man just oh come on again again we can't make it past this fucking round I don't know. Yeah. That's why the, that's but that's also why those games early in the season matter, right? Like if we won, if we were able to get the first seed, 
our matchup would have been, and you know, who knows, the Heat could have beat us in the first round anyway. So the matchup would have been us versus the Heat in round one. It would have been us against the uh, the Knicks in round two, and then we would have had to play the winner of presumably the Bucks and the Celtics, which would have put less stress on us because going into the playoffs, we at least thought we were going to have to beat both the Celtics and the Bucks to make it to the finals. Um, obviously, we didn't even beat the Celtics, but I felt like we had a better matchup against the Bucks than we did against the Celtics. We we played the Bucks better during throughout the season. I think every single one of our games went down to the wire, and I think we ultimately won more of the games against the Bucks than they than they um, than um, that we lost. But uh, the Celtics have just been brutal for us. They just have way too much length, and they just showed up today, and we did not. This is all in hopes that you guys trade for Damian Lillard. I don't see how that could possibly happen. It's not happening. Why would, but... Yeah, I don't see why this. I don't see why the Blazers won't, would want to trade him unless exactly what happened with Harden happened this time. It's like Lillard asks for a trade, and Lillard for the last like three years, people have been saying, "Oh, he's got to get tra- like he's got to ask for a he's trade." Not There's no way he doesn't want to be traded. He's never asked for a trade. Why would he ask for a trade now? With all that that team's been through, he's continued to stay loyal to that city. So that's not a player that you should really that you could really expect to get. But like Lillard is the like what the the clutchest player in the NBA. Uh, well, you know he didn't win Clutch Player of the Year, right? That was uh, <laughs> that was um, what's his name from the Kings? Um, Shea. No, no, he's on OKC. Um, uh, uh, D- uh, De'Aaron Fox. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, so he he's got it. He's got that in him. Yeah, and so, and like it's funny because Embiid was actually really clutch this year too. Throughout much of the season, like late games, he's putting up like 50, he put up fifty two points against the Celtics late in the season. Um, he couldn't miss. He was doing that. So it's when the stakes are high that he he fails to do it. Right. So exactly when you need your superstar. Exactly when you need it. Right, exactly when you need it. So you can be tricked into thinking that he might be able to do it. But like who who in the NBA do you do you get? What team would want Harden that in a in a sign and trade? I can't really think of any. I'm not like, you know, that that well versed. Like there 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 could be people. I shouldn't say I can't think of any, but I just I don't know who would want uh, Harden in a sign and trade. I don't know why Houston would would do that. And um, what was the other one? I don't know what you could realistically get for Tobias Harris in a as a as a player with an expiring contract. Like he's a max player with an expiring contract, but I don't know what you could get for Tobias Harris. And it sucks because, too because you're so invested in a lot of these players and, and that you don't want to see any of them go. You want to see the team succeed with these people, and it sucks that. You probably have to get rid of some of them. <laughs> to, you gotta get uh, rid of a lot of them. You gotta get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm like looking at the score, like the box score, right there. Niang played four minutes. He's a guy who can get a lot of threes in the regular season and just misses in the playoffs, and that's that was the case last year. Uh, Denwell House Jr. He he went off in Game Five and was one of the reasons why we won by like twenty in that game, but was otherwise wasn't playable throughout the series throughout. Uh, yeah, throughout the series. Paul Reed had the Paul Reed game in game one and otherwise was non-existent. Um, Shake Milton 
doesn't play in 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 pretty much most games at this point. Cork Moss, same with him. Uh, D'Anthony Melton, I love him, and he just can't hit wide open threes. That was also really frustrating. He showed up in game one, and then like what today he had seven points, three for ten, one for five from three. Pretty much the same stat line as as uh, game six. Like none of our guys on the bench are really worth anything. And then uh, you look at you look at the Celtics. Like they didn't even have to play Grant Williams. He played three minutes. Um, I didn't even know Julian Champagne was on the was on the Celtics. It's funny seeing him name his name there because he used to be on the on the uh, the, the Sixers. Uh, Brockton, 29, 29 minutes. He had uh, twelve points, two for six from three. Uh, Derek White only twelve. Like these these are play. Brockton and Derek White are both players who would be starting on just about any other team in the NBA, and these guys are coming off the bench for the Celtics. They got that depth. They have the depth. They only need like seven people, eight people tops. They have Grant Williams who plays three minutes today, but in other games, in other uh, of other series, he could be a starter. You have Brodden and White who, again, would probably be starters for a lot of other teams in the NBA who are coming off the bench. It's It sucks that when the Sixers bench, like they are so streaky and none of them, none of them have the... I guess mental fortitude to be that person who's going to come in off the bench and just hit like three threes in a row and set the arena on fire in Game Six. Anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. On to the uh, the off season. I don't really care about Formula One enough at this point to like no, Formula One garbage. That that would that would be my replacement, but like if the championship is has has basically been decided already there's no and it's like four four five six races into the season so um that's that's a bit of a dud uh i don't know i guess uh at this point maybe i'll just be doing uh doing a little bit more gaming and uh hang with the family you ain't gotta say it like that no no i don't mean that like that's a bad <laughs> thing that's just what i'll be doing <laughs> that's what i'll be doing maybe working out a little bit more I, I actually would work out and watch the Sixers at the same time or basketball in general, but yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll just have something else on or we gotta, music or whatever it is. We gotta find we gotta find something to follow. You know what I mean? Something fun to follow. Is uh, it something where like I'm gonna I'm gonna have my heart broken at the end of it when when the team lets me down or, or yeah I don't I, sh- sh- like I just found out I didn't just find this out but the uh, the San Diego. Um, San Diego has a women's uh, MLS team uh, mm. called the San Diego Wave. Uh, and A, I'm a sucker for anything from San Diego. B, uh, Alex Morgan is on this team. And they also just signed a, uh, what's it called? Uh, a 15-year-old who always always a classic great story of has she had Alex Morgan's poster on her wall and other teammates. Um I'm just saying, like, is there is there another thing that we can figure out that can fill the void? Uh, but it's it's hard, especially when it's like the sport you follow. Yeah, yeah. I think with just about any, like, if you decide that you want to get into a new sport, it's always it's fun because you don't have to pick a team. You can just watch everything and enjoy. For me, that was that was the case with the NBA. I didn't, 
I would follow NBA scores over the course of a season or maybe just records, but I didn't watch games like that until like maybe the last year of the Sixers process. I remember um, the I was watching games with like Michael Carter Williams going up against the um, God. yeah Michael Carter Williams going up against the OKC Thunder with Russell Westbrook. Harden may have still been on the team. I'm not, I'm not positive. And uh, Kevin Durant and. Michael Carter Williams going up against Westbrook and scoring like 30 points and we lose the game by like 30. Like <laughs> the, the, the but like I'm sitting there watching that game and it was exciting because you knew the Sixers should lose the game, but it was still exciting to root for them. Like this is their 10 for 10 10 wins and 72 losses year. That's what that's that season. And so it was fun to like watch those and then it would just became the natural decision to cheer for the Sixers because they were the local team. Um, hey, what are the chances that you guys get Wembenyama? Zero. Is it how actually would, yeah. zero? I don't know how the, yeah. the, the lottery works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's zero. So the uh, the lottery, so every team, um, so the in the NBA, the there are only, what, 14 lottery teams? The teams that don't make the playoffs are lottery okay. teams. The teams with the best odds, and I'm trying to look it up. I want to double check this because the teams who are like seventh, like the seventh worst, I'm not sure what their odds of getting the, the number one pick are, but they do have some small percentage chance. And I think it extends all the way out to that 14th place team or you know, in reverse order. Um, the Sixers, because they were a playoff team, all the playoff teams get a seeding in order of when they were eliminated. So, and I think it's like, you know, if you get, if you, two teams who get eliminated in like this, the, the, the conference semifinals, like now, for instance, um, I think it then goes to the, the, uh, the seeding of the team. So the Sixers should have a worse pick or a, a, yeah, a higher pick in terms of, right? Like if one is the lowest and 30th is the highest, the Sixers have a higher pick than the, than the, than the Knicks would have, for instance. So, yeah, the only way the Sixers would be able to get Wembenyama is if they traded. And I, see. I don't know if any team like he he's such a strong asset or uh, like a strong prospect that I don't know if a team would trade for like Embiid. I feel like he's going to be generational. Like there he hasn't been there hasn't been a a prospect since LeBron, right? That's what they keep saying, right? I mean Everyone always says that about the player. Like there hasn't been a prospect like this since LeBron. Um, I mean, that was the case with with Zion, and he's an incredible player. But we also know what's going on with Zion. Um, I think the issue, the scary thing with Wembenyama, and I know he's been playing like you know professional basketball or whatever for a few years now, right? Like ever since he's been like fourteen years old, he's basically like Luca, right? Um, but he's like seven foot four, and the scary things with the, with guys that height is that oh, they can. They can be a bit fragile, so you're telling me. I mean, you have K- you have KD, right? Exactly, but you have a guy like KD was like seven two, and he's been pretty durable. Like I know he's had Achilles issues and a couple of other issues recently, but through most of his early career, all of his twenties, he was a pretty durable guy. So you never know, you never know. But it's still, it's like it can be tough, in my opinion, at least to roll the dice on a prospect on a guy who hasn't actually played a single NBA minute um, 
So, and, and, and again, I'm not sure if any team, like if the, the Rockets or the Spurs or whoever has a, a chance at Wimbanyama, if they would trade for Embiid, because that's the best thing that you can get for him. Right. And that's 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 the reigning MVP. <laughs> that's the reigning MVP to say that. Yeah. I'm not sure because it's just like he's, because he's, if, not, he's not worth it. Well, if you see if you see his lack of success in the playoffs, and your ultimate goal is our NBA ch- uh, titles, you might cite that as a reason to not want to not want him. But also, um, like you said, if you have a person who is viewed as the you know a prospect with as high of aspirations as LeBron James, who has is you know has gone on to break just about every record in the NBA that matters at least. You know, two points score total, all like playoff minutes, playoff points total. What like six, seven NBA finals straight, despite only winning like three of those. Um, like that, if that is your ceiling with Wembenyama, I don't know. Maybe you just take it, take that chance. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's tough to. We'll see. We'll see who gets him, and we'll see how good he yeah. is. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, how good I'm he definitely is. not rooting for him to fail, but it just feels no, like of course not. We've, we've seen this before, and I get so nervous with people who like. I mean, we we do see or we do remember KD's size coming out. We do remember LeBron's size coming out, and at least LeBron over the course of God twenty years, he's put on a little bit of weight. But when Yama's yeah. got to bulk up, because I remember Yao yeah, Ming coming to the league. And he had to get, he had to build some some weight on that soul food, you know, with Steve Francis <laughs> teaching him how to eat. Because that yeah. kid, I mean, Yami was getting bullied in the paint. And when Yama, I mean, these are NBA players. He's... Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna eat his lunch. They are, they are, and 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 I think that's one of the. He's, I know he's got a bit of a jumper. I don't, I don't want. I have, I've never seen any of his games or anything like that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, yeah. What was I about to say? Um, I was going to say this. How crazy would it be if, uh, like, I don't, there's no way this happens. But if Luka demands a trade from the, for the Mavericks, I wonder what the Sixers could offer. You, you ha- want Luka? We, we don't. Yeah, yeah, you do. Luca, Luca is that guy with the killer instinct that would get you those points down the stretch in a big game. That's true. He did get he he like single handedly got his team, or maybe not single handedly with Jalen Brunson last year. They did make it to a conference finals last year, the conference championship. And he just seems like he's got a little bit of that, um, like Embiid earlier in his oh, career, yeah. bad diet, like yep, bad he, diet. He doesn't have it's the com- stamina. Yep. He's yep. always yelling at it's, the refs. And yeah, yeah. Always yelling at the refs. He's the worst at that. Um But, but yeah, you're right. No, he may I, be the best available. Player. I mean, like who the only I'm trying to think, like the only people that you can offer because the, the Sixers don't have very many first round picks that they could trade to the to the Mavericks, which is which could very just well very well be a non starter. Um you would have to trade you would have to make it like a three-way trade where you can get first-round picks from another team and offer them to the Mavericks. Um, you would have to give up Maxi, which would be devastating as a Sixers fan. I fucking love Maxi. I never want to see him leave the city ever. Um, you would want to get but Harrison involved in that. 
Yeah, Max is great. He really is good. His his issue is he's still too young. He's still too young. Like he yeah. He has a lot of fantastic moments, but he gets a, he doesn't get a good whistle. So he'll he will like there are times where you just watch the Sixers play and if you watch Maxi and you watch Tatum and I remember like this is like, you know, this is pre-playoffs. Um, but even in the playoffs, there are times where you see like Tatum get hit on a drive to a basket. He initiates the contact. He kind of bumps someone barely, and the, the refs call a foul against the defender. Maxi will do the exact same thing the other way and won't get the, won't get a foul call, which is exceedingly frustrating to see. And it happens all the time for him. And so, and then he st- then has to try to like he tries really complicated finishes at the rim, um, which lead to kind of poor misses which lead to fast breaks the other way uh tr- sixes are terrible in transition defense max is also not back on defense because he's on the floor and blah, blah 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 free two points the other way um but yeah you you probably have to give up maxi you would you would have to like figure out a way to sign and trade hard into the to the rockets to convince them to do that to then send assets to the mavericks you would have to trade uh tobias harris to another team and pretty much take back like peanuts but you have to figure out a way to match the salaries, and then you would want first-round picks for those, all so that you could package that into one big thing to trade to the Mavericks. So then you'd have just Embiid, just yep. Luka, and no just one else. Just Luka, and whatever else you picked up, like whatever scraps you picked up along the way. So you're taking that the, year. The, the other issue is, no, because you the other issue is that you have to match salaries. You can't just, like, tra- like, you can't just trade a player for money or you can't just trade player for picks and nothing else. So you have to figure out a way. Like if I have a player who's worth $30 million on the books this year, you have to figure out a way to get like within, I don't know if it's like 10%. I can't remember what the number is, but there's a number that you have to get within the salaries to make the match enough that you can make the trade plausible. And so, um, yeah, that would that would be the, basically what you would be hoping for is that in order to get this stuff to to go through if you were to get enough interest from the Mavericks and other teams that they would have to package in some decent decent enough players to make the salaries match but like I again I have no idea how feasible that actually could could how feasible that could totally be like again Luca is is that generational talent um I wonder if you try to do a trade with like this Hawks and get Trey Young because Trey Young is cited as like one of the more overrated players in the NBA, but he is another guy with that that um, like we saw what he did to the Sixers. <laughs> He's that guy with the ice in his veins too. Um, and if he is as quote overrated as um, as people think he is, then maybe getting him to the Sixers isn't um, as tall of an order as getting someone like Luca is. How crazy is it, by the way? The Hawks. The Hawks had a chance to take Luca, and they didn't. They took Trey. They trade. They actually. I think the Hawks drafted Luca, and I think the the Mavericks drafted Trey, and they traded. I'm not sure if that's exactly how it went down, but I thought that's what but, that uh, happened because that's yeah, why they're the, always linked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawks could have had Luca, and uh, they chose Trey. Anyway, I mean, that's enough. Matt. That's enough. Me complaining about the Sixers. Better than uh, Ja, right? Dude. Oh man, I that that's actually after the Sixers loss, I was like, "Yo, can we just stop talking about the Sixers and go back? I'll start talking about Ja again." Like, yeah, when, right. When that news came when that news came out again uh, this morning 
first of all, I thought that I thought it was a fluke. I thought my phone fucked up and I like loaded back up, like, but I thought I had loaded like the top <laughs> post from the last like three months or something. And I thought it was the the jaw video, right? So I'm like, this can't be right. Like this is like the first thing I'm seeing in the morning on my phone, right? I open up my phone, seeing Reddit, my eyes are still a little bit like blurry. And uh it says John Morant waving a gun around on Instagram Live. And I'm like, that's that's the old one. Like, what, what what's going on? And I see, like, no, that's hot. That was posted like an hour ago. And uh, and then I see the video. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's an idiot. Actually, that, my I buddy was, was like, he didn't too, see though. the gun. And I go, you sound like you're in the yeah. entourage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, the six, Jaws, Jaw has to be worth peanuts at this point. He's a player who's probably going to be suspended for a year. The Sixers could trade for him knowing they're getting back nothing for the next year or at least some extended period of time and you could trade little you it wouldn't cost as much to get him and i don't think he's a guy who signed any major contracts he just played he fucked himself out of 40 million dollars yeah by because he was going to make an all nba team and the media punished him for it and he did not get an all nba team so his contract isn't as high as you might think I'm trying to see it right now Oh, he did sign a five-year, $194 million contract with them. So he is owed $33 million next year. So that's actually like a Tobias Harris-like contract there. I don't know. I don't Tobias know. Harris is owed $39 million next year. That's yep. so crazy. Yep. Yep. Oh, man. Sports, dude. Sports. It's It's brutal. It really is brutal. It, and, and you know what also sucks too. I know as I as I said to like try to sign off for the last ten minutes, but um, it sucks losing to a team or a city that's had a lot of a lot of success over the course of the last like ten twenty years. I know like the, the the Celtics as a whole haven't had that much success, but their their organization has had a massive amount of success, and the the Patriots have had just overwhelming success over the last uh, twenty years. So it sucks losing to a city that isn't is not as starved as uh as others, and because I'm not a fan of like the the uh, the Eagles or the Phillies, I can't really cite their successes over the last you know ten or ten or so years, however long it's been since some of those teams have won championships, as a as a way to uh, alleviate my dissatisfaction with today. I mean, the other thing is those organizations were run so much better than your organization oh yeah that will that's another that's the thing that that Sixers fans are gonna really that just it's it's just gonna hurt for a lot of Sixers fans because the organization was run a certain way with with Hinky. he had a certain plan and then the NBA stepped in was like they basically have not been operating their team in a way that was, uh, you know, that should be run right. If you're if you're intentionally throwing games, they weren't intentionally throwing games, but they were intentionally building a team that had no chance of winning games, which is actually what other teams have been doing um, since then. But those teams haven't right. been like decimated the way that the way that we were. Um, the Colangelos were installed. Elton Brand was put in. Like all the Colangelos, if you remember, um, the one of them had a had a burner accounts on Twitter where he was shit talking. Uh, Embiid and and bolstering Simmons, um, Jimmy Butler. Part of the reason why he left was that whole situation that was happening behind the scenes. 
Yep. It wasn't necessarily the Sixers picking Tobias Harris over him. It was the Sixers babying Simmons and the Sixers um, not, I think he didn't, I think he didn't like Brett Brown as a coach. So uh, Tobias Harris left and they ended up giving Tobias Harris the contract that, that Jimmy Butler would have gotten had Jimmy Butler signed the contract or had he been willing to stay. Um, We ended up getting, it was Josh Richardson. that Josh Richardson made all these poor moves and poor decisions. We paid Al Horford a boatload of money. That was another one. We paid Al Horford a, boat, a boatload of money for a terrible, terrible uh, season. Um, yeah, yeah. Like we had potential for success, but the way the team was run over the last three, four, five years was pretty poor, and it and it really um, it shows ruined our, our it, yeah yeah it really ruined our chances of of building the depth that you see with the team like. The, uh, the Celtics, building the depth that you see with teams like the Warriors that they were able to put together um, way back when now. So, yeah, that's, uh, what, that's why winning a championship is so hard because it takes yeah. everyone in the building. Yeah, and that, yeah, it takes years. It could take years of building, but the fans have to constantly, like the fans still believe in the teams. And so the fans will still come into every year hoping, believing, wishing that they can win something. And meanwhile, the the team might not really be in its final form yet. Right. Anyways. I uh I'm sorry that you're dealing with this. It is not fun. Yeah, it is what it is. It's sports. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't affect my life in any in any tangible way. Um, and only only in ways that I allow it to affect me. Um, that's what I have to kind of remember. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a healthy way to look at it. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me rant about this for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, all, all right. good. Well, once again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers if you <laughs> made it this far into the podcast. Um, I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see everyone next week.